Hey, everybody. Absolutely stunning news over here this week. We have a video version of this week's episode available on our Patreon, which is patreon.com slash late night. Go over there, sign up at any tier, and you'll have access to it. Once again, that's patreon.com slash late night. Now, enjoy the show. Abby, I have such a strong memory of your roof from when Danny and I did your podcast. It's like, in my mind, you live in this giant A-frame house and, you know, we're just seeing the top of it. It's not giant, but it is an (laughs) (laughs) A-frame. You're in Wyoming, right? Correct. Out in the middle of nowhere. No one believes it's a real place. (laughs) So you guys came to LA not too long ago, a couple months back. And you had a bunch of time off here. So I'm curious, what was your L.A. experience Mm. like? It was very touristy, to be honest. It was my first time in L.A. So I made Ryan show me around. We did all the typical things. Saw all the sights. Yeah, like, give give me some examples. I think my favorite thing was seeing the Viper Room which I did by accident, actually. I went to eat at a restaurant that was like just a couple doors down, and I was like, holy crap, the night before we left. So that was really cool. Yeah. We went to the Hollywood Forever Cemetery. What else, Ryan? Oh, you're leaving out so many parts. So we did Nakatomi (laughs) Plaza. Oh, of course. Great. We went to Amoeba Records, so that's just inadvertently on the Walk of Fame. Yep. We went to the Hollywood sign, went to a little park up there that was awesome mm-hmm. and like kind of hidden we went to the saddle ranch on sunset which is my favorite place and i don't what is that i don't know what that is the saddle ranch is right by the chateau marmont it's like okay yes you know, to the left of yeah it. i know exactly where it is yeah it's a big saloon style tourist trap really i feel like i've never heard of this when you said saddle ranch at first i thought you meant the spawn ranch from the manson murders yes. but <laughs> Which would not have been number one. Yeah, number one tourist destination in Los Angeles, right? So it's a a bar or a. It's a bar and a restaurant, yes, but it's very big. And at certain times of the day, it's very loud and obnoxious. Mm -hmm. But every time I go to LA, I I go there for some reason. The tagline is steaks, bowls, rock and roll. (laughs) So I'm sensing a theme, which is the Sunset Strip and. L.A. in the 70s and 80s. Mm-hmm. So aside from the touristy stuff, we saw two concerts in one night. Whoa, who'd you see? We saw a band called the Rural Alberta Advantage, which is a great mm-hmm. Canadian band at the Moroccan Lounge. Oh, sure. I know where that is, yeah. And then we had press passes to see Delta Spirit, which is one of our favorite bands. Oh, at, fun. Um, wow. La- La- what's it called? Lodge Room. Lodge Room. Oh, that's a great venue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was awesome. It was the same night. So we went to one show. We went to the Rural Alberta Advantage and then immediately like went to the Lodge Room. That's cool. NSP, we recorded our acoustic show from last year, which was our only like pandemic thing at the Lodge. Oh, fun. Yeah, it's such a cool vibe. So if people don't know what it is, it's an, literally an old Masonic Lodge that they have now converted into an event venue, performance venue. Did you see all like the Masonic stuff? On the walls. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's such a weird, cool place. Layton, you didn't see this, but I saw the on cinema live show there. I'm so uh, jealous of that. A couple years (laughs) ago. I continue to be so jealous. Yeah. It was fantastic. Okay. Impressions of LA. I'm always curious because it's such a weird place. Abby, never having been here before, like into it, not into it. Where do you fall? I liked it. We had a lot of fun and I got to see a lot of things. We went out to Venice Beach too. Oh, yep. So I liked it, but also I grew up in a city. So how did you end up where you currently are in the middle of nowhere? I don't, I forget if I asked you this last time. I, uh, after college, came out here just to work for a summer mm-hmm. and then I never left. Yeah. For some reason, <laughs> I spent several years, probably about five years being a ski bum. And then my current job kind of fell into my lap. And so I stayed. That's awesome. Oh, you know, okay. We're going to do the thing I said we might do, which is introduce you guys right away to provide some modicum of context to what's going on. Professionalism. That's right. It's what we're all about. 
here at Leighton Night. This is Leighton Night with Brian Wecht, the podcast. And over here we have Leighton Gray. The podcast. I added that this week. Yeah. The one who just spoke was Brian Wecht, the podcast. Mystery guests, which you both care to introduce yourselves. My name's Ryan Bynack. I host the podcast Bothering the Band, and I've written a few books. My name is Abby Levy. I produce and perfect the podcast Bothering the Band, <laughs> and I have written zero books, and I live in an A-frame in Wyoming. <laughs> <laughs> and Ryan, you're in Florida, right? I am reluctantly in South Florida, yes. Yes, wow. a place that, not to cast any aspersions, but every time I've visited, have thought, why? <laughs> every day I wake up, I think, Why? <laughs> I have not spent that much time in or around Miami, but the time I have spent there, I have not been a particular fan. Just let me say, it doesn't seem like my scene. And I've never even been to fucking like South Beach or any of the like club spots or whatever, which is the very opposite of the kind of stuff I ever want to do. Oh, famously a thing that you're super into. You're all about (laughs) clubs and the nightlife. Hot music and hot bodies. That's right. <laughs> but even in the other parts of Miami, I'm just wandering around. And I'm like, it's too hot. Sure, the food is is good, but oh, it's not. All right, so let me stop you vibe. right there. I'm okay, I'm about an hour and a half north of Miami. Okay, great. In what I would like to say, it's like a shopping center hell. Uh-huh. Mm. That's all there is. It's mm-hmm. just real hot. And nothing but shopping centers. So you have that out in LA too. Maybe the Valley or something like that. It's like Rancho Cucamonga is what I would think. It's like out (laughs) east, you know? You go out east into the desert a bit. And definitely this exists in the Valley too. Now, look, what the fuck do I know? I'm sure there's a million amazing things out there. It's where the Ren Fair is. We all get that. But I think it's more like what you're talking about, as is much of America, right? Strip mall, strip mall, strip mall, strip mall. Another strip mall. I have to put on record that my heart is in New York City. I still lie to people. Like when I was in LA and people were like, where are you from? I'm like, I'm from New York. Yeah, good. <laughs> well, let's try to say something nice about Florida. What do you like about Florida? The beach. The haunted mansion. Yeah, if we're going to go north to <laughs> Orlando, I, there's a couple more things, but South sure. Florida. There's some good people. Well, so not just in like the Miami area, but... I had some really terrible experiences in Florida. The girl I dated my last year of college, who was a very, like, my first, I think, very, very serious relationship, was from Fort Pierce. And I don't think they had seen someone like me before, which is to say a long-haired semi-Jew from New Jersey, uh, <laughs> which is weird because I was under the impression that except for the long hair, that was most of Florida. But I remember visiting her family. We graduated from college, drove down to Florida, stopped at south of the border, of course, from Massachusetts. And her 10-year-old little brother saw me walking in the door, screamed, you got girl hair, and then ran. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. Because I used to to have hair down to my waist Like at, at that point. It was really, really long. It was honestly, I mean, it was probably pretty close to your length, Layton. (laughs) <laughs> that's not not the length of your body i mean the length of your <laughs> sure, hair sure yes. sure yeah, yeah i yeah. used to have long hair as well i like to think i was the first one to do way this is like 2008 i would wrap mm. it up in a bun oh you and did the I bun. Am a man uh-huh but this term man bun didn't exist that's right you're like five years uh too early or so for that yeah. right Ryan Bynack, inventor of the man bun. That's right. (laughs) I'm going to put that in my bio. Well, congratulations. That was a look back then. I want to talk a little bit about your guys' podcast because it is really, really great. And so you had Ninja Sex Party on. Wait, that could not have been a year ago already, right? I was doing a light scroll and then like seeing an SP episode. I was like, ah, okay. Here's the connection. Our second highest listened to episode ever. Wow. I'll take really? full credit for that. Yep. Yeah. It is. What's your most listened to episode? Frank Turner. He's like the British Bruce Springsteen <laughs> with, a, with like a punk rock tone to him, you know? Yeah. Okay. It's like Bruce Springsteen, except instead of UC, it's UK. <laughs> exactly. Uh, thank you. Right, I appreciate that. But what you guys do in your show is it's something I really respect, which is you just harass artists by asking them, 
bizarre questions. No, I mean, that's reductive, of course, but also accurate. It's such a fun idea. Here's this litany of interesting shit. Let's just go for it. And I really respect, and I say this not in a derogatory way, the gimmick. It's a really, really strong one. And you just dive in. And with the live show that I was out of yours in LA, I also loved that. It was pretty much just that as well, which was Mm -hmm. really, really great. And I had a lot of fun. Yeah, I'd like to say we ask thought-provoking everyday questions to further get to know our favorite musicians on a human level. That's a much less offensive and reductive way to say <laughs> what you do than than the version I came up with. Like we ask, you know, Grammy winners if they bite their nails and shit like that. <laughs> yes. Any memorable questions and responses that have stood out to you over the how many how many episodes in are you guys now? It's a lot, right? 80 something. I think it's 83 that comes out tomorrow. Wow. That's great. I would say one of my favorite memorable times is, so we interviewed Tom Arnold and I don't even remember <laughs> what? what we were asking I him. That. Tom Arnold, amazing. Yeah. I don't remember what the question was, but it had nothing to do with any of these things. And he started telling us this story about how he met Aerosmith through Jeff Goldblum. And it was like this whole thing, how they were all at this concert. Who else was Uh there? Hugh Grant? Was it Hugh Grant, I think? And at the end of the Aerosmith concert, Jeff Goldblum's like, well, I'm going to go chat with my friends. And they're like, oh, yeah, bullshit, you know them. And he's like, yeah, whatever I do. And they're like, ah, fuck this guy. And they go to leave him. And then he ends up on the stage with Aerosmith. And he's sitting there like playing the piano while Steven Tyler's like (laughs) singing along. And so Tom Arnold's like, you got to go be friends with Jeff again. So we got to go meet Aerosmith. (laughs) That's awesome. Well, I, I feel like Tom Arnold's whole life is just falling into amazing situations and then being like, oh, I guess I'm here. You know, we always have like 20 to 30 questions. Some of them are very random. A lot of them are tailored to the guests. But we were like, okay, it's his show now because he just <laughs> fucking went for it. And then his like kid was in the background, like coming into the room. <laughs> it was real funny and adorable. He was honestly surprisingly sweet and doting. I believe that. My favorite question we've ever asked, again, we tailor the questions to the individual. A lot of the younger artists we ask don't know shit about older pop culture. Uh-huh. So there's two questions. One, we always ask like a BC D-list celebrity if they know who it is. And our go-to for a while was Bridget Fonda. Do you know who Bridget Fonda is? Of course I know who Bridget Fonda is. Well, yeah, of course you do because you are tapped into the pop culture zeitgeist and whatever. I'm 47. That's why I know who Bridget Fonda is, yes. Oh, so many people had no idea. Wait, Leighton, do you know who Bridget Fonda is? Oh, that's good. Yes, I do know who Bridget Fonda is. I'm 24. I'm almost 25. Who's Bridget Fonda? Okay. Brian, don't call me out like this. <laughs> I just, I'm just I, asking you. I know the name. name. One, I couldn't. Name I couldn't. One t- thing I could not tell you Bridget anything Fonda else about Bridget done. Fonda has done. Uh-huh. Okay. Tell me what Bridget Fonda looks like. Just blonde. Okay. Oh, yep. You're correct. Okay. Great. Thanks. Name one mm-hmm. movie she's been in. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Lake Placid. Lake Placid singles. You gotta really? go see singles. She's in Lake Placid. Yeah. Oh fuck. You definitely know one movie she's been in because she was in, it was either Evil Dead 2 or Army of Darkness in like a scene in the very beginning. She was the girlfriend for like two seconds in one of the reenactments. Unless I'm completely wrong about that, which is also possible. It was Army of Darkness. It was Army of Darkness. Okay. Because it was a, like a scene from Evil Dead 2 or supposed to be. Yeah. Single white female is great, but also Lake Placid and also Lake Placid like two and three or however many fucking sequels there are for that terrible film. I watched those way too young. I remember being like four or five and watching them at my grandparents' house. Yeah. No. Four or five? Yeah. I don't know why they let me do that. It was just on TV and I was like, all right. That is way too young. Yes. I agree. My daughter is eight now, and she would pass out if she saw Lake Placid. Those in Jurassic Park were definitely like not movies I should have witnessed at the ages that I did, and it's probably why I am the way I am now. Anyway, young people don't know actors. No, it was on purpose to be obscure and just to see how 
completely gone we are into investing too much into pop culture and realizing that we are the weirdos. We're the rarities. But some other ones that stand out are like talking about <laughs> the best bars to do blow in Brooklyn oh. with uh, <laughs> David Cross, who's on my shirt right now. Oh, yeah. Wow. And a, a recent guest. Recent guest, too. David Cross. Very open and honest and funny. Well, wait, what are the best bars to do blow in? Let me tell you this. He mentioned one bar and I mentioned another bar. And then after a listener said that, like wrote us and said, that's the same bar, just different times. <laughs> like he was talking. They changed the name. He was talking about it like a five years before I was there doing cocaine there. So, oh, I see. And then it changed names. I was like, have you ever been to the levee? He's like, no, I used to go to this place. And then it turns out those are the same place. So what I thought wow. you meant, which is also very New York, is that like at 9 p.m. it switches from one day <laughs> to the other. So you were literally talking about the same place. It just completely rebrands every night at a set time. That is very New York, and I guarantee you there's a few of those bars. Yes, 100%. Uh, or restaurants where they switch restaurants and shit. Yeah, but yeah, No, it was yep. the same bar, just like different years. Eras. Yeah, that's amazing. It blew my mind. Mr. Show was a big thing for me in college, like Bob Odenkirk and David Cross, watch their stuff. And then I looked up their ages, and I was like, oh, they're probably like 50 no, they're 60. I think they're both 60 or just about to turn 60, and I couldn't fucking believe it. And, oh, and of wow. course, it completely makes sense. Like, that is, you know, the correct age they should be, given, you know, what they were doing when they were doing it. But it's just one of those, like, oh, my God, they're getting up there. These guys that I always think of as, like, the young guys in comedy are, no, now they're the senior guys. That goes along with that whole, the 80s was 20 years ago thing. 100%. I think the same about like my favorite hip hop artists or punk rock artists, like Tim Armstrong from Rancid is like mm -hmm. 60 and you're like, no. Yeah. Nas, like how old is Nas? You know, like he's, he's gotta so be in his late fifties, Nas, right? Yeah. Is Tim Armstrong, is he Lint from Rancid? There was a guy named Lint. I'm trying to figure out if it's the guy who kept calling my sister. Lint is Tim Armstrong. Oh, really? Okay. That's what I thought. Yeah, so he would call my house when I was in high school. <laughs> I'm sorry, what? <laughs> yeah, okay, so my sister, I don't think I'm telling tales out of school here. You've told this story on the show. He's a big listener. Well, then he might remember Stephanie Wecht from Pompton Lakes, New Jersey. You know, she was like a punk kid going out to ABC No Rio and that kind of scene in New York in the, I guess, early to mid-90s. And I remember getting a call from Lint. You know, this would have been somewhere around like, I guess, 91 or something. And, you know, yo, this is Lint. This stuff there. And I had no idea. I'd never heard of, of Op Ivy or when did Rancid start? Maybe 90. Yeah. So Rancid was just getting off the ground then. And I had no idea. I mean, look, I was a math nerd into classical music. I had no idea what the fuck was going on with this scene. And I had no idea who this guy was. And I was like, oh, hello, Lint. Let me see if my younger sister is available. Why were we talking about him in the first place? Oh, that he's old? That was the yeah. whole... <laughs> I'm old too, and I still think when someone's like, oh, 10 years ago, I'm like, oh, that's 97. Yep, mm -hmm. absolutely. Brian, totally. how old are you? 47. How old are you? I'm turning 40 in October. Okay, that's not old. That's the thing. I mean, when we were kids, if you would have asked someone if they're 40... That's old as shit. No, that's exactly right. Tell that to my plantar fasciitis. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was thinking about this the other day. I see people on you know, like social media or whatever saying, oh man, I can't believe I'm turning 30. I'm so fucking old. Oh, I'm so old. I'm turning oh yeah, 30. fuck I'm them. So old. Yeah, fuck you. You're not old at 30. Even when I was 30, I didn't think I was old. From my dear sweet 24-year-old perspective, I feel like, I hear more 40-year-olds talking about how old they are slash feel than I do anybody else pointing at 40 as old. I think that's true. I think that's totally true. Most of my friends are 30s, 40s, like, just like, oh, I'm so old. I feel so old. Like, no, you're not fucking old. I get it, but you're not old. Yeah, I totally agree. But I think the difference is I feel like once you hit 40, your body really starts to go south in ways you didn't quite expect. And so you start to feel very old, more so than you probably mm. did earlier. Like you start Valid. to have, you know, 
age-related problems in a way that you probably didn't earlier. Yeah. I have a catheter in right now. <laughs> Congratulations, of course. Just to get through this podcast with my weak yeah, bladder. Well, that's our rule. No pee breaks. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think that's why 40-year-olds start to say it. And then at some point, I guess you get used to it, and then you shut up about it once you're yeah. 50 or something. I do think that it's okay for me to like complain about being old. However, sure. I, it's still fresh in my brain of being young and like old people shitting on you. So, Leighton, if at all it happens in any other podcast, stand up for yourself. Because I see it a lot where it happens with young men and older men where they're like, oh, you're so young, you don't even know what. Gatorade is, or well, I don't know, but yeah, <laughs> classic Florida reference. <laughs> it's like reverse ageist. Oh yeah, and it comes from jealousy and ego, you know. But I try my best not to ever do that. Appreciated. I do get that a lot. I've gotten it a little bit on this show in the past, which is fine. From, I'm from just, whom? Tim. I'm Armstrong. not naming names. I'm not naming names. <laughs> yeah, from Tim Armstrong, right? <laughs> He called in. No, it comes with the uh, territory of existing under 30. <laughs> sort of going back to the pop culture question, it's sort of like the assumption of what? You haven't seen X? And then also like people being shocked that I know what Y old thing is. And it's like, yeah, it's almost like you can't have an encyclopedic knowledge of like every pop culture thing that has ever fucking happened in this world. But yeah, it can be frustrating sometimes. I think it falls into... This thing, which is so stupidly predictable, yet people always get upset about, which is any younger generation people will complain about as if they're the only generation that has ever done whatever annoying behavior, when in fact, it's just generic complaining about people younger than you that has been in place for a thousand years or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so much of that is driven by like, I think, the recognition of a previous version of you having done those same behaviors and that like now you've done them and grown past them or whatever, you kind of get that moral high horse of like, I see that thing that I used to yes. do and I see it in you very obviously. So now I am in a place to shit on you for it. I was, okay, I was, <laughs> yes. I was just thinking about this in a very specific instance today where I was thinking about snark and people who love bad movies and, you know, kind of shit on that sort of thing. And I feel like it's very easy to make fun of shit when you're a teenager or in your early 20s, which I certainly did at the time. Do you guys ever get those Golden Throats records, which is like celebrities singing songs they shouldn't sing? There are a few compilations of them. And there's a bunch of like Nimoy and Shatner on there. Mae West <laughs> is doing some like disco song or something. They're really, really great. Sammy Davis Jr. does the theme from Shaft. They're incredible <laughs> compilations. I'm like afraid to Google Golden Throat. <laughs> yep, not the uh, same thing. Is it on Spotify? The, I, I was obsessed with these albums, yeah. I was so tempted to be like, I don't know what you're talking about, old man. Just reverse it. <laughs> right, of course. Oh my God, it's on Spotify with some- Of course it is. Oh, shit. Some things are grayed out, but wow, right. Leonard Nimoy does Proud Mary. That's a good Ooh, one. Oh, that sounds Wow. Yep, he also does If I Had a Hammer. This is the one I was trying to remember. Mel Torme does Sunshine Superman. The Velvet Fog. Yeah, that's the one. Oh, Andy Griffith doing House of the Rising Sun. I want to hear that. Why is that great out? Phyllis Diller does Satisfaction, which is just bananas. <laughs> yeah, these are really worth listening to. Ooh, Frank Sinatra did Mrs. Robinson. Look at that. <laughs> what a Wonderful World by Joe Pesci. <laughs> this is oh. so good. Oh, Joe Pesci's Pesci great, has though. a couple albums. Pesci is a musician turning out the tunes. The whole Brady Bunch sang American Pie. <laughs> Look at this. What is great out here? Oh, the Shatner stuff. Okay. May West, Twist and Shout. That's the one I was thinking of. That's great out, unfortunately, but I bet you can find it. Uh -oh. It's insane. And it's from the 70s when she was like 90s. So what were you saying about snark? Oh yeah, sorry. Thank you. What I was going to say about snark is I feel like it's very easy to be snarky about shit before you realize how hard making stuff actually is. And at this point in my life when, you know, I've tried a bunch of things and some have succeeded and some have not, I am at a place where I want to laud the effort of even like 
getting the thing out the door as much as having it be good, you know, to some extent. And so I think before you know what it's really like to try and do shit, it's very easy to be like, well, the movie sucks. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. You know, I've never made a feature film or anything even close to it, but it's fucking hard making a three minute music video. And I see the amount of work that goes into that with a small crew, like, you know, to imagine the hundreds, if not thousands of people that work on something to try to get it out the door. It's a miracle when something isn't bad. So I have tried to move away from snark somewhat consciously because it's this unholy alchemy of all these different elements that goes into making something good. And often you just don't know. You make the thing, you do the best job you can, and then you see what happens. A hundred percent. I mean, our podcast is a product of that in spite of the snark. This might not be snark, but I had so many people be like, oh, you're starting a podcast? There's a million podcasts. And you're like, yeah, it doesn't mean I shouldn't what, like do it or follow my dreams or have There's fun. There's also a million movies. And yeah. There's also a million basketball players. So you should tell someone not to pursue like if they're really good at basketball. Totally. It's not necessarily snark, but I see what you mean. I'm trying to curb that too because I am a pop culture like snob. So I just always say like, it's not for me, but good for them, you know? Yeah. Well, also like people who have never made a thing or ever been involved, like it's a miracle that anything ever gets made ever. Yes. It's especially funny to me being in game development, watching the way that people talk about games or developer teams. It never stops being funny to me because people are so confidently wrong, so confidently wrong and people believe them. I see this a lot with the Dead by Daylight community, which is especially (laughs) terrible, but just the like, they don't care about this game. They just care about making money. It would be so easy if they just did X, Y, Z and they stopped doing, you know, ABC. Yes, this huge team. None of them care as much as you clearly do about this thing that they're making that takes so much time and effort because making video games is easy according to everybody online, actually. Well, you see this with movies too, to some extent, but also with albums, people will critique the mixing like A, they know what they're talking about and B, like they know what their EQ settings are, which they definitely do not in most (laughs) cases. And it's like, you know, it's, oh, the bass is too loud. Oh, shit. I guess you had ultra bass boost on. Yeah, why do you think the bass is too loud? Like, I don't know what EQ settings are. So. It's like the mix of treble and mid and bass. So, you know, basically which different frequencies you're going to emphasize. Oh, I know. Thank you. I, just, Ryan, I appreciate you keeping it real, of course. That's what you know for, and that's what, that's what I appreciate. No, but just to piggyback on what you're saying, you're going highbrow. I'm going to go real lowbrow. If you've ever seen or heard someone like, let's say, look at a Jackson Pollock painting, and they go, I can do that. And you're mm. like, well, why haven't you? Go fucking do it. That's the difference between like someone who's very hardworking. They do it. Yes. I have a lot of friends and I'm going to compliment Abby here too. In my life, I've had a lot of friends be like, oh, we should do this. And they dream big. Yep. And then those just disappear, you know? And how our podcast started was I had this really dumb idea and then Abby expressed interest in helping. And then I just actually did it, made it better, made it an actual thing that we could be proud of, of course. Yeah. But again, so many people are like, oh, there's a million podcasts. Why are you going to do yours? I'm like, why, why not? Because now there's a million and one. Yes. yes. People are really obsessed with like, I'm an idea person. I have a lot of big ideas. Oh, this big popular oh. thing. I totally had that idea before. Yeah, fuck. Every single person has ideas. The things that actually get made are because people act on the ideas. It's very easy to have an idea. And it's even easier to sit there and crow like, I had that idea. Well... Fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't make it, so shut <laughs> up. This is what a patent troll does. It's like, yeah, I invented the internet because I thought like, what if computers talked? You know, <laughs> no, it's not what you did and you shouldn't get money for it. You know, it is absolutely infuriating. And as you get older, and certainly this is very true uh, in any kind of artistic anything, you realize that ideas people are worthless by themselves. Like it has to be ideas and execution people. Yeah. So ideas without execution are pointless. Yeah. You could think of a million like 
big things that are, oh, this idea was good, but the execution just completely sucks. Like, it's not about having the idea. It's the follow through, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's just super frustrating. And the people who scream loudest in an overly critical way about media are always the ones who never, ever, ever make anything. (laughs) Yeah, for real. That's right. So, Abby, do you have an audio background? No, not at all. (laughs) My background is 100% hospitality and F&B. I know nothing about any of this, but one day I learned. I just sat down. We have another friend, Enid. Hi, Enid, who did a podcast. And I didn't know her at the time, but Ryan was like, here, call my friend Enid. She's going to teach you things. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And she gave me a quick tutorial. And then I just kind of started playing and learning on my own. And sometimes I go, oh my God, we're still here. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, that speaks to the value of like, I will take somebody who has a willingness to learn and can pick things up over somebody who is, again, like confidently wrong or confident about, you know, an idea, but not doing any reason. Like that's such a valuable skill. Like you were ready to learn and you learned and you're still learning. Like Mm -hmm. that's all you really got to do. And it's not that hard to do most things at a passable level with a reasonable time commitment. And by the way, this is not a dig and call you guys like passable. (laughs) But if you want to learn like how to do a mid-tier job at doing something, if you put the time, you can do that. Then you just keep refining. And you're like, oh, I could do this a little better, and then I could do this better. And and then suddenly you're an expert, and you're really good at it because you just started by learning and put something out that wasn't perfect. Mm -hmm. If you listen to Ninja Sex Party's discography from the beginning, we went from... You know, I I knew music theory and how to play, but I didn't know jack shit about recording, like literally nothing. I'd been in a recording studio maybe a handful of times, and I had no idea what I was doing, didn't know production, didn't know whatever. And that first album of ours is really janky in a way that hopefully comes across as charming, but was like the best we could do at the time. You know, we didn't have an explicit producer. We got time at a recording studio in Brooklyn, Metrosonic in Williamsburg. And, you know, we're like, let's just record some tracks. And then, you know, now we're doing full band stuff, done stuff with string quartets and, you know, in real recording studio, not that Metrosonic isn't a real recording studio, but we just started somewhere and like, we'll do do it to the best of our ability and see what happens. And then somehow got better at it just through time. Although, of course, there are other people, you know, you guys were better when you, you know, first album. Like when you, you, know, you, know, you didn't. Those are the same people that say the book is better than the movie every single time, too. Yes. I listened to you back in the beginning, man. You sold out. Yeah, no, totally. I like you back better when you didn't give a fuck. It's not that we didn't give a fuck. We didn't know what we were doing. <laughs> yeah. Also, didn't have like the resources. Yeah. We had the ideas, but not the tools. <laughs> now we have all the tools and anything's possible. I liked you guys better when you were starving and could not support mm-hmm. yourself yeah, totally. doing your work. Our second most recent album, we went back and re recorded like old songs from our first three albums when I was doing all the music digitally. And we went back and recorded with the session guys we use now, Twerp. And it was like, yes, this is like what we wanted it to sound like. This would have been the original version had we been able to do this back then. But we had literally no money to pay anyone to do anything. So we scraped together enough cash to book a recording session. And I did everything on Logic with virtual instruments. And by the way, saying I prefer the old stuff is totally fine and valid. Like, you know, have your own opinion about what you like and what you don't. But, you know, to say you were better than or you were worse than or whatever is just meaningless. I prefer when it was just a ninja sex get together. Yeah. Right when you guys became a party. <laughs> yeah. I was out. Ryan's old now, so no partying. Oh, yeah. If you invite me to a party, I'm not coming. I got to go to bed. (laughs) (laughs) So you guys have like written questions for your guests, and I know a lot of them are tailored to the guests, but are there any of those silly questions that either of you wish that you personally were asked or that you have fun answers for yourselves? Oh, man. I tend to answer them anyways. (laughs) You know, because it's natural when we're writing them. This is not a real question. What was your favorite cereal growing up? And it's like, well, mine is this. And I answer them regardless. And then I think the most fun ones are when I'll ask the guest and then Abby. Mm -hmm. 
That is true. That is fun. I guess to rephrase, is there a question you've always wanted someone to ask you, Abby? Just how am I? Nobody yeah, cares. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I mean, a scathing indictment of Ryan, honestly. I was going to say, that couldn't be further from the truth. It yeah. always starts with, hey, Abby, how are you feeling? Well, I have a deep question for you. Yeah. How is G-Love? I love G-Love. Oh, fabulous. We took a tour of his property. We got to meet his goats and his chickens. Oh, my God. Whoa. And then he came here to Wyoming. Nobody comes here. G-Love came like a month or two later. And so I got to go see him, which was really oh, that's awesome. that's so great. Yeah. I know. I was like, oh, my God. You know, I've probably seen G-Love definitely a handful of times. Oh, really? Oh, that's great. Yeah. I've never seen him live. Oh, you've got to if you get the chance. I think the first time I saw him was like 2000 or 2001. So mm-hmm. like it goes back. So getting to interview him was huge. That was one of the first where I was like, oh shit, this is kind of working. And if we find their contact and or tweet them, they'll respond. It's a funny story because he was mentioned in a previous podcast and we're like, mm-hmm. Fuck it, let's try to get G-Love. And as a kid who came of age or was like 18 in like 2001, mm-hmm. you had to like those bands. You had to like Dave They're Matthews so good, and Ben Harper yeah. and Jack Johnson and yeah. G-Love. And yes, I was that show at House of Blues in Orlando. Mm-hmm. So it was pretty spectacular. Is he as chill as you would think? Oh, yeah. He was cracking beers. And like Abby said, he was like, you want to see my chickens, man? <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> that rules. I love it when people are who you expect them to be. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Because the other version of that that's kind of equally awesome is he's, you know, this very like type A, you know, knows exactly the character he's playing kind of guy and just has it like dialed in, you know, which is also equally interesting. Some people just that's their persona and that's what they do, you know, to pay the bills and it's not who they are at all. Yeah. Yeah. I would hope for G Love, he would be the you want to see my chickens man guy. I mean, at one (laughs) point his kid came out and was like, Asking if you play video games. And he's like, you guys tell me, should we let him play these games? Uh (laughs) That rules. So this will be the last question before segments, but who would be your like pie in the sky dream guests for bothering the band? Adam Duritz for me. I don't know who that is. The lead singer of Counting Crows. Oh. Are you a huge Counting Crows fan? I am a bit of a nerd when it comes to Counting Crows. (laughs) (laughs) We've asked many times. He said no. I saw them last October and called Ryan during the show because their opening act was really amazing. And we got him on the show and he'll be doing our live show in New York. And I'm like, hi, I still don't have my connect yet. Help me. Help me, please. (laughs) What about you, Ryan? Maybe Eddie Vedder would be a fun one. Oh, that'd be fun. Yeah. Just personally, I think he'd be great. I think I'd be a little bit too intimidated. Or there's a musician named Devendra Banhart who's like, another, oh, sure. Oh, my God. He's one of my favorites of all time. I think he's actually rejected us. Really? Because he was on an ASMR channel that I love. What? Yeah. Really? It's Blitz ASMR, who is great. But yeah, you can watch him get like ASMR Reiki stuff done around oh his face. God. Like that channel's also had like Phoebe Bridgers and Melody Martinez on. Like it's really wild. Anyway, yeah. Wow. We actually, in Dream Daddy, the game that I co-created, we named a child of one of the fathers, Carmen Sita, after the Devendra Banhart song. Oh, wow. Cool, yeah. Wow. I, I could go on and on, like Flea, Shaq. Like, <laughs> I could go. <laughs> Taylor Swift. <laughs> Taylor Swift would be, like, top-notch. So if you guys know anybody that knows. <laughs> he must be just like living under a rock in the woods somewhere, but I would be so curious to hear Jeff Mangum <laughs> of Neutral oh, Milk wow, Hotel. Yeah. Oh, yeah. What the hell is going on with him? <laughs> yeah, I feel like he has just kind of stopped. My very first concert was Neutral Milk Hotel on their last tour ever. So, you know. Who knows where he is? Maybe he's in an airplane over the sea or on Avery Island. That's maybe my favorite album. It's so good. <laughs> Which, in the airplane over the sea? Yeah. And there's a book in my Amazon cart about the making of that mm-hmm. record. <gasps> What's this book? I don't book? know what it's called. But oh, shit. 
That's a great first concert. It was fucking incredible. It was like a truly magical night. Immediately afterwards, I watched somebody get hit by a car. They were fine. Oh my God. And then we had like a crazy encounter with this guy named Tommy Lee in a Waffle House at like 2 a.m. But not Tommy Lee, Tommy Lee. No. You have, but not that Tommy Lee. Tommy Lee Jones, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, 100%. But like at some point during the conversation the topic came to like America and he pulled off his boot and his sock and slapped his foot onto the table (laughs) and he had his toenails painted with American flags. (laughs) It was incredible. I will never forget that night. Oh, Tommy Lee Jones. It was the greatest. (laughs) I think it is time to move on to segments. So we're going to move on to our first segment, which is our pop culture recommendation segment. This is where you get to talk about a book a movie, a video game, whatever you like, something you've been enjoying recently. The name of this segment is What's Poppin', and the theme song goes here, but we add it in post so you won't hear it right now. What's Poppin'? What's Poppin'? Layton, what's Poppin'? What's poppin' for me is Clive Barker's Books of Blood, and this is my first Clive Barker thing. Really? I know, right? It was recommended heartily by someone to me recently, and it's just been fabulous. If I'm going to recommend a specific short story, I'm going to say that at the beginning of like book two of Books of Blood, there's one called Dread, which is like maybe the most formally perfect horror short story I've ever read, and that is saying a lot. It's so fucking good. His Hmm. prose is just amazing, and I'm super excited to read through the rest of it and eventually get to Rawhead Rex, which, you know, has a reputation, which I'm just excited for. That's what's popping for me. Abby, what's popping? I would say what's popping for me is catching up on things I've been missing. (laughs) I started watching The Boys recently, so... Oh, yeah. To backtrack, I had COVID a couple weeks ago, and so a little more explanation. In the winter, I read. So I get eight months of winter where I live. That is snow on the ground, freezing temperatures. It's miserable. Nobody goes outside. I do a lot of my reading in the winter. And then the summer, I spend most of my time outside, um, away from TV and or books. But then I got COVID, and I was told, oh my God, you haven't seen that? By like 10 people regarding the show, The Boys. So I spent the last... I'd say probably 12 days binging all of it, except for like the last two. I think I have two more episodes. Mm -hmm. So that is what's popping for me. Catching up on old things because now I'm that person judging myself. (laughs) Layton and I were talking about the boys not too long ago on a mini episode of this show. And it is like shockingly good Mm -hmm. compared to what it could have been. Mm -hmm. Yes. Right. Because the comics are so bad. And I say that having read multiple volumes of them. Well, yeah, I'm quite impressed with what they did. After watching the trailer, I skipped it. Um, But then I was finally like, okay, I'm just going to sit down and watch it. And then three episodes later, I was like, this is actually very entertaining. That's where I've been stuck. Antony's star's eye acting as Homelander (laughs) is, look, given what I do for a living, I'm a connoisseur of eye acting since it is a big component of my job. And look, game recognizes game. Is all I can say, because his eye acting is off the charts great. And he gives crazy eyes like no one else on TV right now. Mm -hmm. So true. Also, Jensen Ackles has been really, really great. Yes. Yeah. As Soldier Boy. Ryan, what's popping? I love a band right now called Peach Pit. They're great. And then I love the book I'm reading right now. It's called Last Night at the Viper Room. And it's all about like Hollywood in the 90s. It's really mm-hmm. loads of fun. Then Abby and I just watched the Nick Cage film. And I wanted to mention that unbearable weight of massive talent. I've heard this is amazing. It's the so good. The only way I can describe it is perfect. It is a really? perfect film. He plays into it so well, too. Like, you know, somebody went to him and was like, can you just play like a really asshole version of yourself? Like, yes. just be that guy. And he's like, yes, I will. And he killed it. It's such a cliche to do that at this point that I'm glad to hear it wasn't awful, you know? But it wasn't just an asshole. He was vulnerable and like pitiful at moments. Mm-hmm. He deserves an Academy Award. He deserves everything. Like, I'm home alone and I'm laughing out loud. So, those are my pop and... Amazing. I love it. 
Brian, what's poppin'? Yes. What's poppin' for me? I just uh, yesterday rewatched a movie that I haven't seen in a few years. And it's the Alan Partridge movie starring Steve Coogan. Do you guys know Alan Partridge? From the Partridge family? No. From the band Ecstasy? No. <laughs> no. So Steve Coogan is a is a British comedic actor who in the 90s, you know, with I think Armando Iannucci maybe, uh, created this character, Alan Partridge, who started out as a chat show host on TV and then moved to radio and has basically been falling down the entertainment ladder slowly through the last, you know, however many years, 30 years or something. And he is the perfect clueless, buffoonish, kind of middle-aged white guy archetype. He says inappropriate things without realizing it. He's kind of stupid, but thinks he's a genius. It is just this amazing character that's done, I mean, everything you can think of from radio, TV, and a feature film. There's one feature film, which in England was called Alan Partridge Alpha Papa, but in the US is just called Alan Partridge. And it is so fucking great. It's got Steve Coogan, Cole Meany, uh, plays I another DJ Cole at the Meany. radio. Love Cole Meany. So Cole Meany plays a DJ at the radio station. Basically the plot is there's this radio station which has changed format, got bought by some clear channel type thing, and they're moving to a new hipper sound and they're firing the old guys who used to be their bread and butter. And Colmini gets fired and then takes a bunch of people hostage. And Alan Partridge is like the police, you know, liaison who's a fellow DJ. And it's so funny. The comedic acting is amazing. It's very, very, very British. And I just can't get enough of it. All the Alan Partridge stuff is great. If you've never seen Alan Partridge, watch everything you can get your hands on. It is some of my favorite comedy ever. What's it on? HBO Max had the original series and I'm Alan Partridge, but you can probably find most of it on YouTube if you can't. Let's see. It's on Hulu. It's on HBO Max. The movie is on HBO Max. I don't see the TV show. But yeah, I'm Alan Partridge is, so basically he has this disaster of a chat show, TV show, and then gets demoted to a radio show where he hosts a, a chat radio show. And the TV show is about his life as the host of this radio show and it's only two seasons and it's fucking great i pride myself on knowing a ton about movies and books and shit like that and then i have never heard of this i love it like I can't. oh amazing <laughs> I, I know coogan i know all these people but like yeah it's great it's a universe i mean he's been doing this character for 30 years and there is so much alan partridge so much of it. Like I've probably heard 25% of it because a lot of it were just like little one-off radio shows they did that didn't get released or whatever. I was just watching a duet he did in character with Elton John where they did Don't Go Breaking My Heart together. <laughs> That's perfect. Yep. He also has a, you can see him performing. This is actually what you should start with, his Kate Bush medley. <laughs> so if, if you Google Alan Partridge, Kate Bush, it's part of the British comic relief and it's awesome. So watch the Alan Partridge, Kate Bush medley, because obviously Kate Bush is having a moment again right now. Yeah. Did you read that? She retained all the rights to everything. So she made like a couple million Great. in the last few weeks. Good. She should. Wow. Smart she lady. is running up that hill. <laughs> she kept everything. And she's like, I'm sorry, 2022. Give me your money. Good for her. It's such a great song. It is a great. I remember someone, where was this? Was it in the onion or something? I think it was a Letterman top 10 list where the album Beck, Jeff Beck, Bush, and Kate Bush. That was an album idea. Beck, Jeff Beck, <laughs> Bush, Kate Bush. I like that. Anyway, that stuck with me forever. I believe there's like a video of her, or at least she made a lot of use of the Fairlight CMI, which is like my favorite old synth just because yeah. it's got like a mechanical keyboard on it and it's just very cyber looking. Anyway, it's time for our final segment, which is called Peaches and Lemons. Well, I guess we're doing one peach each. Are we also doing lemons, Brian? Yeah, we'll do lemons. Okay. We'll do one lemon, one peach. Okay, great. So we'll say a nice thing that we're excited, happy about, whatever. And we'll also say something that is mildly annoying or frustrating. And it's called one peach each. Theme song. One peach. 
peach, one peach each, one peach, one peach each, one peach, one peach each, one peach, one peach each. So I'll go with my lemon first because it is in fact relevant to the boys. Mm-hmm. My lemon is that I have been really enjoying the boys, but it hasn't been like dominating my thoughts. I haven't been like rewatching it a ton or thinking about it a whole lot other than this is great. But for some reason, every night for the past like week entire, Jack Quaid has been in every single one of my dreams and I don't understand why it's happening. (laughs) I don't even particularly like him. Uh Like Huey stuff is the least interesting part of the show to me, but he's just there every time. I would love for him to stop whatever astral projection is happening that he's just kind of a bystander or a player in my dreams. I'm not okay with it. <laughs> That's my That's lemon. Very funny. Someone else, lemon. I got a lemon. Drivers who break when you could just let your foot off the gas for one second and accomplish the same thing. Yes. So I have a about 35, 36 mile drive to and from work every day. Oh my God. It's not bad. I drive through a beautiful canyon along a river. There's wildlife everywhere. Ryan can confirm. It's absolutely gorgeous. It's amazing. I don't hate it. But what I do hate, because we're doing somewhere between 60, 65, is somebody, when they get up behind somebody, just take your foot off the gas for a minute. No, they have to brake. Now, all 20 of us behind are braking, and the guy in the back's ending up going 45, and it just keeps going for the whole 30 miles until I pass them like a crazy person. (laughs) <laughs> and then you feel nuts with like the rage that you're like, you I'm know, too. I'm like, get out of my way. Yeah. <sighs> I like that you're letting them hear your rage, Abby. <laughs> that means she likes you. You don't let a lot of people hear that. Um, and I'm going to go off of that. Isn't it suck to be in the car with that person who... Who's the breaker? <laughs> yes. It is difficult to be in a car with a bad driver because you feel guilt by association. Mm-hmm. I'm usually hiding like I'm not with them. Yeah. <laughs> I'll also do the thing where like, you know, in like driver's ed practice cars, they'll have a break on the like passenger side. Also, I feel like I'm just doing that with my feet. If I'm in a car with a bad driver, mm-hmm. just like, don't pay attention to what's happening down here. I feel like I grabbed the thing and now they all yeah. know because I'm like, oh God, you're so bad. <laughs> <laughs> but wait, Layton, don't you identify as a bad driver? Haven't you told me you're not a good driver? No, it's not that I'm a bad driver. I'm just an incredibly nervous driver. And every time I get into a car or I avoid my car because, you know, have bad, like intrusive thoughts about, you know, dying in a flaming car wreck or if anybody's in my car, killing everybody in the car on accident. So I'm a very careful and I would go as far to say good driver. I'm just incredibly fearful. (laughs) I have anxiety. I'm the same way. I'm the same way. I go the speed limit. And in like South Florida, everyone goes like 10, 15 over. But if it says 45, I go 45. And like like people get really mad at that. Oh, yeah. They do. That's the Long Island ethos where if you're driving the speed limit, someone's going to kill you because (laughs) they hate you more than anyone they've ever hated. I've never seen so much rage I remember driving in Long Island at like 10 miles over the speed limit and people just like, you know, leaning on the horn, like big fuck you kind of energy because I wasn't doing 80 in a 55. Mm -hmm. Ryan, do you have a lemon? I hate filling out forms, Mm -hmm. but also I wrote down because it just happened to me right before I left to come here. When you open a cabinet and a bunch of shit falls out. Mm -hmm. Like I always get this close to like throwing it all away. I'm just like, "Ah, fuck (laughs) For some reason, it really ticks me off. And then other than that, we mentioned uh, Kate Bush, which made me think of Stranger Things, which made me think of in any show or movie that everything can be solved if one character spoke up. Oh my God, yes. It's the dumbest. It's so annoying. Gets me all steamed. I hate that so much. (laughs) I mean, that's been going on for so long now. Like writers, please, please. In every show, in every show. And then in Stranger Things, I don't know if you watched that, but in the beginning of this season, after all they've seen, they've seen the craziest shit, monsters and dimensions and shit. The one character, Dustin, the curly hair kid, at the beginning of the season is like, there's this crazy shit going on. And everyone's like, you're so stupid. That's not happening. (laughs) Why wouldn't you believe him? It's wild. (laughs) Yeah. Those are great lemons. Brian, lemon? Yes, I have a an industry lemon. 
which is Spotify has some fucking weird vendetta against comedy recently. And a bunch of comedy musicians have had their albums taken off. There's some weird rights thing where the way they pay out for spoken word is different than the way they pay out for music. And because they wanted to pay out the same, they basically didn't want to pay out twice for spoken word tracks. Spotify has decided to just like randomly delete comedy albums all the time now. Yeah. I've and it sucks. My video game hip hop band Starbomb just tried to put out a little EP and it's not available in the US. Why? It's not even a spoken word album. And it's a stupid enough vendetta against spoken word stuff, which I don't understand. But I'm not even putting out spoken word albums. When it's like straight up music, it has none of the problems that Spotify is concerned about. And anytime you list anything as comedy, it just gets potentially deleted. And it drives me fucking nuts. And I have friends and other comedy musicians. Psycho Stick, former guests on the show, comedy metal band. I saw them tweeting like, where the fuck are our albums? <laughs> and I reached out to him and I'm like, well, guess what? I think you fell afoul of the same thing that we did. And it just drives me insane because it's, you know, it's Spotify. What can you fucking do? They're the devil, but you can't not use them. You That's why all my them. poetry is not on Spotify. They took it right. off. <laughs> mm-hmm. But in real time, I noticed that with researching David Cross, because literally yep. in like two days span, I listened to one album and I was going to send a friend this joke, this great like movie joke. And then I went in, I was like, it's just not fucking there anymore. Yep. And I just delete it. And I think if you're spoken word, you can't get it back. If you're music like we are, then they'll be like, oh, actually, your music, that's fine. But it's just awful. And, you know, it's costing musicians and comedians money. And what can you do? Nothing. I can write an angry email on your behalf. Yeah. <laughs> now ask me how I feel about people can get nominated for best comedy album without putting out a comedy album in the Grammys. What? Tell us how you feel. <laughs> I'm mad about it. I think... This year, I might be wrong, all the best comedy album Grammys were only released as Netflix specials and not put out as albums. Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's not fair. They don't distinguish between comedy music and stand-up, which I guess I understand comedy is comedy, but it's also stupid. And so all of the comedy Grammys are like, you know, these (sighs) Netflix specials and they're not albums. You didn't put out a fucking album. Didn't a certain quote unquote canceled comedian just win a Grammy for one of those? Yes. Uh He he won the best. Yes, he won the best comedy album Grammy. And I don't know if he put out an album. No. How can you win an album? How can you win an album Grammy? It was through his website, too. Yeah. Wow. It's so dumb. Nate Bargatze should have won that, by the way. Yes, he's so difficult to be a comedian (laughs) when your voice is taken away. Mm hmm. I'm going to change that. <laughs> but yes, agreed, Leighton. That is a bag of shit. <laughs> I've hated this my whole life where like the person who wins Best New Artist has been around forever. Remember when Steely Dan won Best New Artist in like 2000? <laughs> None of us do. None of us do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But like Phoebe Bridgers last year was like Best New Artist and it was her second album. Yeah. Stranger in the Alps doesn't exist. It's fine. <laughs> I like that album better, actually. Agreed. It's very good. I love the Twin Peaksy one. Uh, I'm a fake Phoebe Bridgers fan. It's like I don't even own the skeleton sweatpants. Anyway, peaches. We'll each do one peach, which is a good thing. Positive thing. Excited about whatever the fuck. Please. I will start. My eight-year-old, I have one daughter who's eight, started singing this song yesterday, and I was like, let's go to the piano and figure that out. And so I'm going to play... For you, the song she came up with, I basically just told her what the chord, you know, I was like, does this sound right? Does this sound right? And this is the song she came up with. Stand over here, actually. I'll pick up your voice. Better. Never use a sack of potatoes for a brand new hat. Never use a sack of potatoes
anyway, this goes on for quite a while, but that was fucking that was incredible. Amazing. Isn't that cute? It's <laughs> so amazing. Yeah. She's got a music brain for sure. And she came out of a room and she was like, I just made up this song. And then she sang it. And I was like, well, let's go figure this out. Cause this seems like a good opportunity to do some music together. And she figured it out real quick and we recorded it. So I might bring her in this little mini studio here. God, we're all going to be working for her someday. Like she will run yep. over us all and then probably kill us. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> Me first. Yes. <laughs> you are first. No, it's good that you know your place. <laughs> oh, I do. I'm going to, I'm going to not wake up some morning. <laughs> and she'll have already called it. <laughs> That's my peach. My daughter wrote a cute song. Who's next? I'll go. I'm just so thankful for this pod and our pod. And I have to give a shout out. My kid did the theme song to our podcast. Oh, nice. And it's just her playing with the guitar. She is also very musical. So I'm very thankful. And she's turning eight in August and I'm getting her. I actually ordered it today, a pink Fender. Yay. With an amp and everything. I love it. She'll just be playing backup to your kid. <laughs> It'll work. They can each have their own bands, okay? You know, a rising tide. But there are already one million bands. That's right. <laughs> oh, that's clever. Yeah. I hope they're in a band and they make one perfect album and then break up and never do anything ever again and create this myth. <laughs> oh, that's a great idea. Yes. Cool. Abby? Mine is just summer. Honestly, like I said before, it. Cold and miserable here for eight months out of the year. And that lasted exceptionally long this year into June, and it shouldn't have. And like two weeks ago, it got nice out. Now I can be outside and go swimming and do fun things. And I'm not cranky. <laughs> Great. That's awesome. I love it. Yeah. I mean, like personally, fuck summer, but I respect your opinion. <laughs> you all live in warm places. Oh, I know. I spend most of my year in negative temperatures. Very true. Weather-wise, the happiest I ever was was the three years I lived in London, where it was nice and gray and cold and rainy. Oh, it was so great. The happiest I ever was when we were in LA. It was like cold as shit. Oh, that's right. It was cold it was when you guys lovely. were out here. Yes. And it was like mm -hmm. overcast. I loved it. I got to wear my leather jacket. I felt so yep. cool. Ooh. I wore this though. He came from South Florida. I was like, I get to put on a jacket. And I came from here where it was still 20 something. And I was like, take the clothes off. Yes. If it gets to 70 here, that's cold, right? That's cold for LA. Yeah. So if you're lucky, you know, you get a few days in the fifties every year. Uh, Layton, peach. My peach is that over the weekend, I just wanted to make some deviled eggs. I'd never made deviled eggs before. And They'd kind of been relegated to a food group that I will politely only eat one at a party so as to not just go ape shit on the deviled eggs. So I was like, oh, won't it be wonderful mm -hmm. if I just make them myself and I can eat as many as I want? So I made a couple of varieties. I made one that had like crumbled like breakfast sausage on it. And then I made another one that was like wasabi and rice vinegar and sriracha and some furikake on top. And they were both amazing, but I ate too many of them. And now I understand why I only eat a single deviled egg at parties because eating too many of them is just like miserable, but they were very good. So farts. Great farts after that. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You Unpleasant. texted me a picture of them too. They were beautiful, right? Do you guys think farts are funny? Yes. Uh, I mean, I've recorded fart songs for my band. So I'm <laughs> obligated to say yes. And the answer is also yes. Oh man. That's such a great thing. That makes me so happy. Because again, turning 40, I still think farts, not even the act of farts, but like saying farts is so much fun. It's the great equalizer among all ages. Ryan does this thing where he'll call me and have some ridiculous popular song in his head and he'll replace like some keyword with the word fart. And then I get like 30 seconds of this <laughs> song. And I do have several of my favorites saved for future purposes. You're welcome. My kid's favorite thing to do is you know, be near us, walk away, only she has farted and not told anybody. And kid farts are the absolute worst. Oh, and then man. we hear her cackling in another room as everybody who is where she was is just like, oh, oh Audrey. There's a term for that. Is it crop dusting? It's crop, crop dusting. dusting. Yeah. Yep. 
So she's an expert level crop duster and she fucking loves it. She thinks it's the funniest thing in the world. And I can't tell her she's wrong because it is very funny. She's not wrong. <laughs> I watched Step Brothers last night and there's like that scene where they interview with Seth Rogen and then John C. Riley lets out like a 35 second fart. And, oh, right. Yes. And <laughs> Seth Rogen's like, I can taste it. <laughs> like He's like, is that ketchup? <laughs> I was dying. I want to encourage you, Ryan, to look up Mr. Farts on Spotify. <laughs> okay. A popular little artist with such hits as Farting Around the House, Horse Racing Farts, Sea Shanty Fart, Reggae Farts, and Taco Farts. Oh, I can't wait for Reggae Farts. It's <laughs> maybe not <laughs> the most culturally sensitive portrayal of reggae. Let me just say that. <laughs> well, folks, we did it. That's an episode of Late Night with Brian Wecht. It is. And thank you, both so much for being here. We would be remiss, since I think this is going to come out before you do this, you guys have a live show in New York coming up, right? We do July 24th at Littlefield in Brooklyn. Great. Great club. We're very excited. Tickets are available now. We're going to manifest David Cross. <laughs> uh, he stole our venue. It's fine. <laughs> Where are tickets available if people want to purchase them? At littlefieldnyc.com. It's a great place. Oh, yeah. You've been there. Yeah, I've done storytelling stuff there when I was in New York, yeah. And we have, I'm just going to say it, Sean Barna, Lily Mayo, Keenan Dufty. He's a musician himself, but he styled the Sex Pistols and David Bowie and shit. And then a band called Almost Sex and another band called Power Violets. And hopefully David Cross. David Cross is going to do it. He's on the fence. If he's traveling, he can't do it. If he's in town, he's going to do it. So we're really stoked. And before the LA show, we were just like, what do we want to do next with our podcast? And I come from like a production background and like just putting on shows, very punk rock style. So I was like, let's do this. And the same way our podcast was built, we just asked. <laughs> we sent like three emails to venues and one of them said yes. It's great. <laughs> And it's always fun to be back in New York, too. Oh, I, miss oh, it I love there. it. I miss it every day. Yeah. I was just out there a couple of weeks ago. And mission number one, get a decent bond me. Because oh, yeah. they're so fucking good out there. Abby's never been to New York. So we have oh, like my a, gosh. a huge list of shit to do. Wow. And I lived there for 10 years. That's my home. And the first thing I'm doing is we're going to sit on the stoop. I'm going to make her drink a 40 and eat street meat. And then we're going to go try to sneak into a Lucy Dacus hop-along concert. Oh, my nice. goodness. And where can people find your guys' show? On all your favorite podcast apps. Bothering the Band, botheringtheband.com, Bothering the Band on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Great. You guys do a great job. It's such a fun idea. And I want to recommend everybody to check it out. Thank you so much. This has been so much fun. Mm -hmm. It made me think we should have Layton. On, on bothering the band to bring it yeah. full circle. <laughs> yeah, that would be cool. I can make up a fake band that I'm a part of, probably. Here, you're in a Lumineers cover band called the Leighton-Ears. Oh, that's good. <laughs> Shut that, it off. You just thought of done. that or you've been sitting on <laughs> You've <done>. been <laughs> sitting on that. I just thought of that. I just thought You of wrote that. that down like six months ago. And you're like, I, I can't wait to shoehorn this in. Ryan, would I lie to you? Would I lie to you? <laughs> yes, he would. Thanks for tuning in this week, folks. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for tuning in. This is the end of the podcast. Goodbye. <laughs> Bye. Leighton Night is produced by Brian Wecht, Leighton Gray, and Jarek Centeno. Follow us on Twitter at Leighton Night, on Instagram at Leighton underscore night, or email us at leightonnight at gmail.com. <laughs>